You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today I have with me Rihanna Basor. She is a financial empowerment coach who specializes in helping creatives earn their true worth. Hello. Who's excited about that? I am. Um, whether they're negotiating contracts, pricing their services, or figuring out how to much to reinvest in their businesses, she helps artists, actors, nonprofit organizers, and healers set themselves up for success. Her creative credentials include being an award-winning director, international actor, and professional writer with over 20 years of experience on stage and screen. Rihanna is an expert columnist for Backstage Magazine, the number one performing arts trade magazine in the country. Rihanna, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you with me. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. What a joy. Yay! So um, this is fun because I love <laughs> my bio is like award-winning writer. Yours is like award-winning director. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you kind of just start by bringing us into, you know, your own journey as an artist and sort of, you know, when did you know you were an artist and creative? Oh, my goodness. From the womb, I think. I came out tap dancing, telling stories, making everyone who would sit still watch me perform. I was the kid who organized all the neighborhood kids on sleepovers to put on a talent show. I was that kid. And I would write my own pieces. I would of course direct them and then I would star in them. So this naturally became a lifelong pursuit that has taken many paths, but has always brought me joy. Yeah. And at what point did you sort of bump up against like the money stuff that I'll say typically comes up for the artist creative? I would say right away. I had the really good fortune to go to a great art school. I went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. So I had really strong training in technique. What I didn't have training in was business. So I knew I had those NYU student loans, but I had no idea how to make the money to pay for them. I was lucky that right out of school, I got a two-year gig in regional theater. And so I was able to bounce around here and there, but it wasn't really money that I could flourish on. So after my contract was done, I went back to New York City where I was based. And all of a sudden I met a new money monster, New York City rent. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I probably had, I would say dozens of support gigs, whether it was brand ambassadors for top shelf alcohol, cocktail waitressing at a jazz club. Even at one point, I was paid to count watches that had been seized in a counterfeit um, SWAT team seizure. Like it, 
if somebody would pay me for it, I was down to learn how to do it. And that really helped because I was deeply curious as an artist, but it didn't really move the numbers in my bank account. And all of this time, I was still killing it as a creative. I was able to join the union before I turned 25. I worked all over the world. And yet, even at the very height of my career, I never had the money that I wanted to feel stable, secure, and fulfilled financially. Yeah. When you define um, like helping creatives sort of own their worth, you know, with the word, the word worth around, like this is, this is a very challenging word, I think for artists, because it's, there's an indefinable quality to it. And so I'm sort of curious for you, like, what is that definition and how do you, how do you, how would you suggest a creator or artist sort of go about, you know, just that process of like defining their worth or understanding it for themselves? Well, it's such a personal journey and so is money. And that's why I believe they're so closely tied together. There is a myth in our culture that creativity and heart-based offerings are not valuable, that they are based in fun, they are pleasure, they are hobbies. And so they are not deserving of a fair wage for the effort. And I know this is a myth because it has never been a better time to be a creative. We are in a period of innovation and growth. And so creatives and heart-based entrepreneurs should be rewarded for the efforts that they put out. But oftentimes, even when these opportunities present themselves, there is a sense of self-worth that has been devalued from those cultural thinking. And I have started to call these the money monsters, which is one of the pillars of the work that I do because the internalized voices of other people, often loved ones, culture, generational relationships with wealth, Western world ideas of worth and work and value and contribution all become voices in our heads as creatives that tell us what we do doesn't deserve a good amount of money. And this is damaging because when we believe that that what we want to do more than anything else in the world isn't valuable to other people, it becomes our sense of self-worth. We come from a heart space of passion and generosity and joy and offering. And when what we offer is devalued, it becomes a devaluing of ourself. And so I have found in working with my clients that we have to really get to the root of what those voices are, those money monsters, to begin to develop the pieces and the muscles and the approaches to create, hold on to, and build the money coming into their lives. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. In terms of, um, you know, your own journey and transition from sort of having a thousand and one jobs to try to pay the rent <laughs> in New York, to sort of feeling, you know, confident and grounded in your worth and financially empowered and having sort of the security and stability that you were desiring, what were the steps that you had to take to, to get there? Well, it was a long journey. But I would say that it all really came to the head several years ago when I was performing off-Broadway. It was one of the biggest wins of my career. I've since relocated to the West Coast. And it's been my incredible privilege to use the West Coast as a base to travel to other places and perform, including France, including Canada, and now finally off-Broadway. It was a highlight of my career. 
But as sometimes happens in periods of incredible growth, I also had some weaknesses exposed to me that I had to learn from in those moments. So that included coming to an understanding that the relationship I was in could not sustain my success. I was going to have to choose pursuing the life of a successful actor, artist, creative, or to stay in the relationship I thought was the one. This relationship also provided a significant financial foundation for me for the first time in my life that felt very safe in a good way. I finally wasn't afraid about where the next dollar was going to come from, but it also wasn't worth giving up my entire dream. So I made a very hard decision and walked away. And three weeks later, I flew to New York to live my dream off Broadway. And while I was there, I got a phone call and my dad told me that my grandfather had passed away. And he was the patriarch of my family. He was the, the trickster, the, the heart, the joy, and the financial foundation of my entire family. He'd been sick a long time, but his death still caught me off guard. So there I was living my dream that I had paid what at that point felt like the ultimate price and a new price was on the table. I couldn't afford to fly home to be with my family. I had one day off a week performing off Broadway. I could have flown overnight and spent six or eight hours with them, but even at the height of my career, I couldn't afford it. And I knew that there had to be a better way. I knew that I didn't have to sacrifice literally everything in order to live my creative dreams. That isn't how I believe things work. So I put in place the experience, the learning, and the mentors to figure out where I didn't know what I didn't know. It turns out there's a lot of things about money and business that no one tells creatives. And I have a really wonderful skill from all of those million and one jobs that I can translate information from one part of my brain to another. So I could take these logical, analytical skills that business and money ideas tend to be communicated in and put them into like fun, abstract, playful game approaches that mean the same thing. And once I saw this application starting to transform my life, I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt, including student loans. I didn't have anything but a rickety old beach car that was like $1,000 in a storage unit. And now I have a fully funded retirement account. I have a lifetime savings nest egg, and I'm looking to buy my first property this year. I knew it was working. And I saw in my other beloved creatives' lives that they were making similar mistakes. So I started to bring on my clients, and I've seen those results happen to them, and it is just electric. The sense of empowerment that comes from knowing your money is taken care of makes better art. And in that way, I'm a little bit uh, greedy because my favorite thing is amazing creativity. So I love getting to provide the freedom for creatives to make cooler stuff for us all to consume and enjoy. I love that. So in terms of, you know, the process that you're walking your clients through and also, you know, I know we were talking about really getting out of the feast and famine cycle and creating that stability what are the things that you're seeing them doing wrong? Let's start there. Well, that is a great question. I think one of the things that I notice is in the feast and famine cycle, there is this sense of 
what is happening is the only thing that's ever going to happen. So when money's coming in, they spend like money's going to come in forever. And part of the nature of gig to gig gig living or not having sustaining income that comes in predictably every month is that you have to plan for the lean times because they do happen. Unfortunately, a number of creatives, especially in my performing arts industry, are in the middle of that right now. And I am so excited to support them through this challenging period so that then when the feast begins, they'll know better what to do with it. But you have to live in the moment you're in now. And so when you're in a period of challenge, there is a a fear that kicks in. There's a mindset issue that comes in. And so living in that fear blinds them from possibilities that might help them make it through to the next big cash cow. And that's one of the things I think keeps them blinded to transforming their situation moment to moment. I also see with my creatives that there's a lack of belief that what they offer is going to grow. There's like, there's only money now. I need to take this money now. I will never get more money later. And by what could be seen as settling for the first offer or the first buyer, sometimes you sell too cheaply. And when you sell cheaply in the beginning, it's very hard to ask for more money later. There's a saying in business that the minute you discount, the product is done. There's a life cycle to every offering, everything that people want to buy. And the price you come in at, you can't really get it to go much higher. But as a product is less and less interesting to people, the price gets less and less. So by not coming in at that top value price, you are limiting the money that will come in over the lifetime of your creative offering. Great. So one is that they're in sort of a, just to kind of reflect and like help sort of underline for listeners. What I'm hearing is that there's like a fear state that keeps them from thinking more innovatively and long-term and big picture in terms of what they're doing. And that's like Mm -hmm. one mistake. And then the second mistake is that they under, undervalue, undercharge, undercut, undercut their prices. And by doing so really impact their long-term potential in business. That's right. And they also overspend in periods of abundance, not saving for those rainy day periods. Right. Because they just assume that like, well, this is the new normal and it's going to be like this forever now. (laughs) Yes. The glory days are here again. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So in terms of this concept of a money tree, um, what, what are the components of a money tree? Like in your definition, like what are the, what, what's the roots? What's the trunk? What are the branches? Walk me through this. It's a fantastic question. So money trees came to me one day when I realized that really creatives are sitting on gold because what do we have an abundance of ideas? The world always needs more, greater, insightful, exciting, dynamic ideas. We have a whole forest of them and they're literally money trees. So the seed is the idea. And then from there, and this is where I think most creatives get distracted and like go play with their friends or, you know, go and daydream about how brilliant they're going to be. The trunk has to grow. And this is business structure. So this is what your business does, how it handles the idea from creation to reflection, to delivery, 
to getting the money to come in. You have to build it strong so it lasts. My good friend, Jewel, <laughs> she has a saying that hard wood grows slow. And so if it's something that's quick, like where I come from in California, there's a lot of eucalyptus. They bend in the wind, but they grow very quickly. And that can be nice for a creative idea that is in the moment, right? Just needs to take the moment and bend a little bit, it's great. But if you want an oak tree that's gonna stand tall and firm for a long time, you wanna make sure you're spending a good amount of time on your business infrastructure and money management so that that wood is hardened and strong and grows tall. From there you go to the branches. And so those are your offerings, right? Like, okay, I have my money monsters. Is that a book? Is that a class? Is that coaching? Is that workshops? Is that group programs? Those are all the offerings from the one seed of my money of my money monster idea. So after you go on to you decide which branch, which offering you're going to work on, you come to the leaves. Now the leaves are where we first have that feeling like, ah, there's life here. It's alive. Something's going to happen. That's your marketing. So that's you out in the world being like, I got a thing, you guys, look at this thing. And you're showing it to people and people are like, ooh, so pretty. And you're like, it is, thank you. Check me out. It's a really uh, joyful, it's the way we feel in spring when the sun comes out. That's what marketing, that's where it lives, right? So then after you do some of that, you develop a flower. And this is what draws all the birds, all the bees, all the people. This is customer relationship. This is you building partnerships and relationships with customers, people in your community, and people who support the vision of your offering. And so you use that fragrance, that beauty, that sense of creating harmony and joy to attract through the way that you affect the people. That's your customer relationship. Finally, fruit. <laughs> this is where the money comes in. You get to pick the fruit off the money tree and put it in your pocket. And then in the bank, you guys put that money in the bank. So that is in a nutshell, the money tree. It takes you from idea to money in your bank in a very step-by-step -step process. Thank you so much. I'm curious to hear from you about, so what, so I love that. And what's coming up for me as we're going through all of this and I'm thinking of, you know, anyone who's listening, who's like, I'm a million miles away from where I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the space where I'm having a ton of jobs and I was working in hospitality or I was working in service or I was working in restaurants and now what, or I've gotten some remote work, but how do I, how do I build this up? And, and more importantly, I love that you touched on um, that strong, I don't remember the exact words, but basically like it takes time and that mm -hmm. the stronger your foundation is going to be, the longer time it's going to take to really build it and get there. And so I'm curious to hear from you, um, you know, what would you say to the person who's feeling like overwhelmed and ashamed that they're mm -hmm. so far away from where they want to be? And, and, you know, what's a realistic expectation for them? You think in terms of like, this is, this is, this is doable and like, be patient with it and here, you know, know that it can, it's possible. And this is what you can really kind of expect if you, if you say yes to doing this type of work. Absolutely. That makes sense? That's, 
It does. What a great do you question. Need me to ask, do you need me to ask those questions separately? Cause sometimes <laughs> I come in hot with two questions at once and it's like, but wait, which one do I answer first? <laughs> so feel free to ask for what you need in the interview. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me give a try and you can ask any, I don't get to. Okay, great. So what I, would, yeah. <laughs> so what I would say to someone like me, like my clients and like where I was, where I was when I started is that it starts with mindset. It is about slaying those money monsters. It is about believing that something else can happen. I have a workshop that I run every month called the Money Monster Mash. It's a free it's workshop. the best name ever, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It makes me very happy. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is a free virtual money jam for creatives. And it's a great place to start because it's free. But it really helps... T- target the thinking through meditation, journaling, visualization. I have a concept presentation I do every month, but also building community to reinforce that you are not alone. I remember when I was on my journey, I felt like I was the only one who didn't get it. And it's only now that I'm starting to have these conversations, most creatives don't get it. And there's no reason for that. So I would say, always start first with your money monsters. Get in there, show them how they're wrong, recircuit your brain to allow yourself to begin to examine possibility. Always there. Then from there, because you can't just stay in your mind, that's where you begin, but change requires action and intention. So from there, you start with a very small habit skill approach. It's very personalized, so it's hard to say generally. It's usually best to start with debt. Unfortunately, a lot of creatives went to amazing schools, just like I did, that have very high student loans that don't represent what's coming in in their paycheck. So getting a real sense of where you are with your debt and starting to put a little bit more each month than the minimum payment. And so you build what they call a snowball effect that over time you see those numbers shifting and it starts to feel really kind of good. And you're tapping into that joy energy that creatives have to live in when it comes to money or we won't do it. Like we'll hide under our bed, we'll take a nap, we'll binge Netflix. We won't do like these tiny little things that make such a difference over time. Because like our hardwood grows slow quote from Jewel, money grows slow too. picks up speed the longer you do it, but starting now is the best approach. Start small, start now, don't stop. That's really the best advice that I could give to someone who is in that fear place of uncertainty and overwhelm in this moment. I love that. Thank you so much. So tell us more about the Monster Mash because this is, I mean, I want to hear more. I want to know and tell everyone where they can go get in on the Monster Mash the money monster mash. I know it's the money monster mash, but I can't, I just want to say it again. Cause I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you just do, you can, you can also just call it. Mm. <laughs> That's exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> the shorthand version, otherwise known as uh, so the Money Monster Mash, you can register on my Instagram page. There's a link in the bio. It's at Self Trust Fund on Instagram. And we meet on Zoom every month, the second Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. 
I send you a link, you register, it's absolutely free. It's different every month. So we're really starting to build a community of people who come month after month, which is helping to build those supportive relationships where a conversation as a creative about money is ongoing. So they're getting that support and that encouragement for free with my eyes on whatever they're discussing. So it's the absolute cheapest way to work with me for sure. It's 100% free. And not only that, but they're gaining skills and approaches and techniques that I share every month to help build things in real time in their business. This is so much about empowering creatives for me that I just wanna build the safe space where creatives can feel empowered while having a great time jamming about money. We have a blast. Oh my goodness. We have a dance party at the end. Like, <laughs> this is my kind of, this is my kind of money monster mash, you guys. <laughs> right? Like I was like, I just want to throw a money party because there's nothing to be afraid of. We have spent so long as creatives thinking we just didn't get it either a million money monsters. Don't even get me started. Like maybe we're not good at math. Maybe what we do isn't worth money. And so we've just closed that part of our brain off, but it's still it's still an active part of your thinking. You just haven't known how to tap into it. So I make it very fun, very silly, lots of enjoyable playfulness. I always say, wear your clothes. You're going to brunch. We're having our money brunch. Let's go. <laughs> and we play games and jam about money. It's the Will best. there be a money mimosa at brunch? <laughs> I am hoping so. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to alliterate all day. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. Number one is the $5 million question, which is if $5 million just dropped into your lap, just an, you know, just a gift from the universe. There's no taxes, no strings attached, no one you ever have to pay back, no interest, no nothing. It's just, here you go. What do you choose to do with that money? Well, first I would say, thank you universe, like this and more, <laughs> or maybe thank you, Jamie Jensen. <laughs> I mean, I'm not um, that powerful, but I'm working on it guys. <laughs> I mean, it's the all starts in the mind. So I am launching a global social initiative called the Gratitude Jar Project. It'll start on November 1st. And what it is, is a gathering of the worldwide community to celebrate abundance thinking and wins big and small for our global community. So if I had $5 million, I would build the nonprofit from this online social venture and I would create scholarships for people that would allow them to have that sense of abundance in front of them actively in their life. I have a dream that the Gratitude Jar Project will be a hub where people can come and share what they're grateful for every day and cheer on people all around the world who are also celebrating the things that they're grateful for. And they would be able to nominate each other to have a wish fulfilled so that we can reach a million thank you serve. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's like an extra bonus thing that I we didn't I didn't even know about it. I'm like the gratitude jar. Okay, yes, I'm here for that. <laughs> Sign me up, count me in. I love it. Um and the final question I have for you unless this leads to another question <laughs> is the name self-trust fund 
can you just tell me more about like, I, I love it. It's so, it says so much. It's so beautiful. And I, I'm curious to hear from you, you know, the origin story of that name or kind of the decision to, to what is a self-trust fund? What does that mean to you? Tell yeah. us a little more. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it, it came to me quickly and I realized it's because for so long as a creative, I just wish that I came from money. I mean, it was really simple. Like I thought about all my friends who had been, um, they'd made a lot of money creatively as children. I used to hang out with a lot of people who were child actors as adults. And I was a bit jealous of that nest egg that they had or people whose parents had money. And my parents were good middle-class people. They sent me to NYU. Like I have no problems, but I wanted the ease of that coming from money where people helped you with your rent experience. And I think for a lot of times, it was a little bit of a source of resentment for me that I hadn't. And then through my money journey, I realized that really what I wanted was to trust myself. I wanted to trust myself that I could make the money that I wanted, regardless of who my parents are, regardless of my creative successes, regardless of who I was in a relationship with that I could rely on myself, no matter what happened, to take amazing care of myself. And so we are building self-trust so we can fund the life of our dreams. That is the mission of what I'm here to do. And so when it came to me, I was like, that's it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, you know, what you, what you don't know and what you don't know and what everyone who's listening doesn't know is that this conversation of trust funds has, has happened a lot in private circles of mine around money and, and the idea, and of course, like this piece around self-trust is such a huge piece in, in making investments and saying yes and trusting yourself with money. Like it comes up. And so that name is just so, it's just, it's so beautiful. And I just thank you so much for vulnerably you know your story and for doing this work and for really just hitting the nail on the head in every way that you're su supporting creatives in this way I'm just so grateful um grateful to have had you on here today and grateful that you're doing this work and excited to to yeah continue to be connected and share more of you as much as I can thank you so uh, much Rihanna oh it was my pleasure I had a blast Jamie <laughs> thank you yeah we will be including all the links that she mentioned in the show notes but you can go to self trust fund on Instagram to get in on the money monster mash. And also it's at gratitude jar. Is that the Instagram handle for that? Yes. It's actually based in Facebook, but it is the gratitude okay. jar project. Okay, great. Gratitude jar project. Is there any other important link we need to make sure we say that they are okay. Great. Thank you so much, Rihanna. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created Craft and Cashflow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. We get started September 7th, and I'm so excited. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, and please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day, so please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you, and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well, and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com slash group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.